0: To Maritime Agcast, the podcast dedicated to the farmers and the farm community of the Maritimes. We will discuss all things related to the livestock industry with local, regional, and national guests, as well as keep you up to date with current markets and industry events.
1: Atlantic Stockyards Limited has been Atlantic Canada's major livestock market for over 60 years. The stockyards attract buyers regionally as well as extending into central Canada. Livestock auctions occur every Thursday with cattle, sheep, goats, hogs, rabbits, and poultry all featured. Additional information, such as previous market reports, feeder sale dates, and vaccination forms can be found on AtlanticStockyards.com.
0: Today, we will be joined by Dr. Egan Brockhoff and Heather McLean to discuss the introduction to small-scale pig production and hog health. Dr. Brockhoff is a strong advocate of agriculture and agribusiness. He is a graduate of the Western College of Veterinary Medicine and the University of Saskatchewan. He and his family operate a third generation mixed farm in central Alberta. Egan is the president and practicing veterinarian with Prairie Swine Health Services in Red Deer, Alberta and Steinbach, Manitoba. In 2010, he began providing consulting services in Asia focused on veterinary training, infection prevention and control and enhancing biosecurity capacity. Since 2008, Egan has taught swine medicine at the University of Calgary Faculty of Veterinary Medicine. His passion for agriculture and supporting farmers and agribusiness brought him to the national stage in 2014, where he acts as the veterinary counselor for the Canadian Pork Council. Former guest Heather McLean uh, has a BSc in animal science. From the former Nova Scotia Agricultural College and a Master of Science in Poultry Nutrition from the University of Manitoba. She provides professional advice to farming operations in all aspects of poultry, hog, and fur production. She has a special interest in the production system as a whole and strives to improve production and quality to maximize results for a producer. She has over 20 years of experience working directly with the farm community and also grew up on a hog farm in Newfoundland. Heather has been involved with the Nova Scotia Biosecurity Implementation Program and believes that strong biosecurity programs are elemental to the success of our agricultural industries. So Heather and Dr. Brockhoff, I definitely want to thank you both for being with us uh, here today on Maritime AgCast. You know, we've heard a lot about African swine fever over the past, particularly two years. Can you maybe give us a, a little bit of an overview of what African swine fever is and what risks it poses? to the pigs themselves and to the industry as a whole in Canada?
2: Yeah, so African swine fever is a virus. Uh, it's a unique virus. It only infects pigs, doesn't infect any other animal species, doesn't infect humans. It's a pig virus and a pig virus only. And just as it's says, it's a virus that um, is present in Africa and it circulates in various wild and bush pig populations in Africa. And in those populations, Brad, it's pretty unremarkable, it doesn't really do anything. But when we introduce it to you know, our northern European breeds or European wild boar, it's a devastating virus. And um, we call it a lethal virus. The current circulating strains throughout the world, most of them tend to be very lethal strains. So in two thousand seven, African twine fever jumped out of Africa and came north into Europe, through Georgia, the Caucasus, and over sort of the next, you know, ten plus years, it moved fairly fast across Eastern Europe and through Russia. And it typically moved fairly fast through humans. Humans moved the disease around, and then once it got into wild pigs, the Eurasian wild boar, then it started circulating in that population. In 2018, it made a big jump, though, and it went into China, the largest pig producing country in the world. More pigs in China than the rest of the world. And So all of a sudden, we had the virus in this large, naive population, and it was devastating. It caused devastation to their pork sector. The virus then moved throughout Southeast Asia, causing absolutely wreaking havoc, disrupting food security, disrupting protein availability for human consumption. It was devastating. So this virus, it's a hemorrhagic virus of pigs. It affects multiple organ systems. It's a slow and lazy virus typically, but whatever it does infect, it tends to kill. Mortality is typically greater than 90 percent. There's no treatments for this virus. We have no antivirals at this time and we have no registered commercial vaccines available for this virus either. There are a couple of really promising looking research candidates being developed around the world, but at this time it's a virus without an effective vaccine. So. African swine fever, once it gets into a pig population, it tends to move fairly slow, but the impact is this hemorrhagic, you'll see lots of spots on the skin, perhaps some blood coming from different orifices, but oftentimes it looks like other diseases we have present. And that's really one of the scary things is it can look a lot like Strep suis, which is a bacteria that we have here in Canada. It can look like a severe PERS outbreak, a virus or another disease we have here in North America. So there's a lot of masking diseases. And so, you know, oftentimes you miss African swine fever for the first while. It's not till the second or third or tenth pig dies that you start asking questions. What's going on here? Oftentimes in the early days when we were dealing with the virus in China, you know, the producer's thought it was a purse break or a strep break. And so they would treat with antimicrobials and there'd be no response. And so, you know, that's one of the hallmarks. So African swine fever virus has never been found in North America. And that's great. If the virus was to come to Canada or the United States, we would lose market access immediately. Our borders would close. And Canada exports about 70% of our pork production. We're one of the largest pork suppliers to the world. And so every time we have one of these disease outbreaks that closes borders, you know we create a food security issue globally. Within our borders, though, it would be a disaster for farms and farm families. It would be devastating to pigs. It would be devastating to the families that raise them. But when those borders close, It's also devastating to everybody else in the country who doesn't have African swine fever virus on their farm because they'd have no market access. The uh, value of their pigs would decline rapidly and that would put a lot of farms in a very difficult financial situation. So, you know, as we look at this whole picture, you know, this is a devastating virus um, to the pigs, It's a devastating virus to the farm to our country, to our economy, to food security, you name it, this is probably one of the most concerning viruses we've seen. Thanks, Egan. And
0: new and novel diseases has always been something uh, that's been a challenge for the hog industry over the last 20 25 years. And it's folks like yourself that do a lot of the monitoring and, and advising uh, both the national groups and provincial groups on how to Mitigate the risk and manage the risk. And uh, one of the interesting conversations that I think has been kind of in the, always in the background of African swine fever is the whole wild boar feral pig discussion in Canada. Uh, and Heather, I'm, I'm going to go to you first, maybe, because this is, uh, it's maybe not the same challenge here in the maritimes that we see in some of the prairie provinces. Um, but wondering if you can just comment around any feral pig populations that you've seen here in the in the maritimes. And then uh, maybe you can, if you can discuss the bigger problem with wild pigs and, and monitoring disease and really knowing what diseases uh, might be endemic in, in those populations.
1: So as far as we're aware, within Nova Scotia, we don't have any populations of feral pigs at this point in time there are a couple of small populations of wild boars. They're not loose as in feral. They're not wandering around. They are uh, known by the Department of Natural Resources and they are um, documented. They're contained and not feral pigs as far as, um, you know, being a risk in that way. But certainly any time there are pigs that are, are wild, you know, sort of Unclaimed populations that nobody's attending to, nobody's checking. Uh, they do pr- represent a risk to both the small and the larger scale populations. And, you know, at any point, those pigs are more likely to come in contact with disease or bacteria that's not in a controlled manner. They're more likely to come across sort of other wild populations, and at that point, uh, they do represent a risk simply because then they can come back in contact with some of these smaller herds, or you know, be brought into herds that it can then cause some spread of disease, which would certainly
0: be concerning. Uh, We don't face maybe the same challenges with wild pig populations that we see uh, or have reports of in the prairie provinces in particular. So Dr. Brock, I wonder if if you can make maybe not specific to African swine fever, uh, but maybe a couple of comments around, you know, why some of these wild pig populations or wild boar populations might pose a a risk for all hogs in Canada and and how we manage those wild pigs. In upcoming events, the Nova Scotia Cattle Producers are hosting a Culling Cattle Timing and Markets webinar on October 26th at 7 p.m. This workshop will feature Bruce Andrews of Atlantic Beef Products and Dr. Trevor Lawson of Fundy Veterinarians. Please visit nscattle.ca to register for the webinar. The seventh annual Maritime Beef Conference will occur October 29th and 30th, both in person and in Moncton at the Delta beaux Early bird registration ends September 30th. Please visit maritimebeef.ca for the schedule and to register. A Cattle Appreciation Day will be held on October 30th at Atlantic Stockyards Limited, where hamburgers and ice cream bars will be provided for lunch, courtesy of the Nova Scotia Cattle Producers and Dairy Farmers of Nova Scotia. Please watch nscattle.ca and the NSCP social media for updates on this Appreciation day. The Sheep Industry Conference hosted by the Sheep Producers Association of Nova Scotia is happening November 12th and 13th at the DeBert Hospitality Centre. Registration is required in advance with the deadline of October 29th. For more information, such as the agenda and registration form, please visit nssheep.ca. Nova Scotia cattle producers are introducing an on-farm preconditioning pilot project later this fall, where cattle preconditioning services will be available to members on-farm. Please visit nscattle.ca forward slash preconditioning for more information. Feeder sale dates at Atlantic Stockyards are every second Thursday through the fall, and a breeding stock sale will be held on October 30th. Please check atlanticstockyards.com for full schedule and booking information. In available programs, the Nova Scotia Cattle Producers are pleased to announce the NSCP Soil, Pasture and Forage Management Program. Details and applications can be found at nscattle.ca. Other Nova Scotia programs are now open for the 2021-2022 year, including the Cattle and Sheep Industry Development Program. For a full list of programs, as well as applications and guidelines, please visit novascotia.ca. forward slash programs.
2: Yeah. We know we have a wild pig population here in Canada. We have spent a lot of time looking at what their potential risk is. And the big thing for them, Brad, for me, is they're a potential reservoir. So right now, our Canadian wild pig population is a pretty healthy pig population. Some of them have some of the domestic diseases of our current commercial pigs, but a lot of them don't. So I think in general, it's safe to say that our wild pig population in Canada, just like Canada's commercial pig population, is a pretty high health population. I want to keep it that way. I don't want them to have new diseases introduced to them. My biggest concern with that population is always that they could become a reservoir, that they have the potential to become a reservoir for new disease introduction into Canada or diseases that we are trying to control or eradicate, whether that be pers virus or PED virus, two common diseases that we work hard to control and are working hard to eliminate. So that potential reservoir issue is a big one for me. You know, in the prairies, there are programs ongoing in all of the prairie provinces to monitor for the populations and eradicate them. We want wild pig populations gone from Canada. That is the ultimate goal. Eurasian wild boar is not a native species to Canada at any level. And they're not just a risk to the pork sector as a potential reservoir. They are destructive to land. They are destructive to at-risk species. They are a human risk. I mean, when you hit a wild boar doing 100 kilometers an hour going down the highway, you know you've hit a wild boar. You know, we just want wild pigs eradicated from Canada. And there's a lot of good work going on from coast to coast to identify where wild pig populations may be and then to target them. And so, Canada's authorities, provincial and federal authorities, have worked really close with the USDA. They have a ton of experience with wild pig management. Uh, we had a great meeting with uh, the agriculture wild, wild pig crew from Texas recently. And I mean, they have a ton of resources for dealing with wild pigs, but our Western provinces have been actively seeking out and trapping and removing wild pigs. Uh, we're finding some They are finding some vacation of this population would like them gone. So
0: without going too far down the the rabbit hole of wild pigs here the um, big rabbit
2: hole so <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah as an economist i i find it to be a big rabbit hole so for for actual swine and health professionals like you i can imagine uh the amount of things that keep you up and, at night about it maybe just a, another comment about how we as a public not necessarily the hog industry but what can we as a public maybe do to to lend our hands to the Canadian pork industry and hog industry in monitoring of wild pigs
2: and that effort to eradicate them? First and foremost, if you see wild pigs running around, report them. Immediately contact your province and let them know, I've seen a wild pig. And it may be a pig that just got out of someone's backyard. It may be a pig that has the potential to establish itself in a population but report it. Let your province know. Let the authorities know. I've seen a wild pig. This is where I saw it um, because they will take action. I mean, there's a lot of motivation to take action. One of the classic things for smallholders that have, you know, that have their pigs outdoors, that interface between a smallholder, uh, their pigs that are outside, and a wild pig That should be concerning to them. And so proper fencing is critical. So one of the key things I think smallholder producers can do to protect themselves and all of us is good fencing. And that may be two fences a meter apart uh, if you know there's wild pigs in the area, but at least a good enough fence to try to minimize or eliminate that nose to nose contact. Uh, We recently were informed of a um, wild pig interaction with someone's pet pig. And so even if you've got a pet pig, a wild pig could um, become a bit of a challenge for that. One of the key things is don't leave feed and food out. Don't create an environment where they're going to want to interact. One of the core ways that we can move African swine fever virus or foot and mouth disease virus into Canada and North America is bringing illegal meat snacks in from another country and disposing of them or feeding them to our wild pig population. So don't feed wild pigs would be my next big one, you know, just common sense stuff, but I think it's worth repeating.
0: Yeah, Heather, I know we, uh, we did, recently did a recording around, the introduction to small pork production with the resource that we developed or you developed a few years ago and and definitely that making sure you know what you're feeding your pigs is a very important topic both for the nutrition of them but as well as the disease mitigation as well so anybody listening I definitely encourage you to listen to those other recordings with uh, Heather and I as well but I'm I'm going to bring back maybe to more of a commercialized industry point of view here and and to you, Heather, we we've done a little bit of work here in Nova Scotia, and I say a little bit really meaning a lot in the past uh, three or four years around emergency preparedness and and how the industry prepares itself for a significant disease outbreak or another major event like a hurricane that are prominent here in eastern Canada, and and how we prepare prepare producers and the industry, just from a, a very high level, what are some things. Uh, that you think are important for our listeners around, you know, preparing yourself and your farm in the case of an emergency related to animal health.
1: Yeah, we've we've certainly spent a a lot of time and attention on you know emergency preparedness and response and what that looks like and uh, and all the different pieces of the puzzle. And it's hard to do a, a very quick high level piece of it because it's easy to get down in the weeds in a hurry. But I think even for the small-scale producers, uh, they can put some work into being prepared for an emergency, and that can be as simple as there's a power outage, or there's a feed outage, or there's you know a truck tip over or something like that, or it can be as complicated as a disease emergency. And in the past, a lot of the emergency planning has been very focused on disease response, but certainly the last couple of years has really brought to the surface the need for strong preparedness for other emergencies, kind of knowing how you're going to manage different things. So what you would do in the case of, you know, a power outage? what would your plan B be in those cases? Uh, Where can you go to dispose of carcasses if you need to dispose of carcasses? If you have a disease problem, do you know how to euthanize your animals? You know, who would you call? Um, Do you have a vet that you can bring in to assist with those things? So just thinking about all the different possibilities of what an emergency can look like uh, and and thinking about what your plan b would be who would i call if i need a health question who do i call if uh, if i have a power concern who do i call you know what what are the emergency contacts in my department of agriculture you know, at my municipality so just even those very basic pieces of how would i deal with this and who would be my contact points would be a, a great place to start and there are, you know, if you look online, there are a number of resources. Uh, provincially, we're working on one as well that producers have access to, and that, you know, certainly will uh, be able to scale down probably for some of the smaller scale. But just thinking about what would my plan be be if uh, is, I think, the, a great place to start.
0: Yeah, for sure, Heather, and I definitely encourage. Uh, there are a couple of really good resources here in Nova Scotia. Obviously, the Pork Nova Scotia website itself. Uh, has multiple resources around the introduction to small-scale pig production. We've got some emergency planning resources there, as well as some animal health uh, fact sheets that have been developed by folks like Dr. Brockoff at the national level as well. So maybe to you, Dr. Brockhoff, again, this is a pretty big rabbit hole, and I'm sure you folks could talk about emergency preparedness all day. From your point of view, can you maybe just break down for us a little bit all around you know, a more localized emergency and something that might be at a bigger scale. So I'm thinking of in the case of reportable versus non-reportable diseases without getting too far down the down the path. Here's the market report for the weekend at October 1st, 2021, brought to you by Atlantic Stockyards Limited, which has been Atlantic Canada's primary auction mark for more than 60 years. In the local hog market, base price in Nova Scotia was $2.22 per kilogram, down 5.4 cents from last week. In Ontario, base price was down 5.4 cents as well, to a price of $2.13 per kilogram. In the Quebec market, base price was $2.23 per kilogram, down 3.1 cents from last week. On the cattle side, fed cattle price Atlantic beef products was $2.63 on the rail, no change. In Ontario, live steers sold for $1.59, moving up a cent from last week. And in Quebec, rail price was $2.73, no movement from the prior week. Call Cattle Atlantic Stockyards sold for $0.87, a downward change of $0.13 from last week, while rail price of Atlantic Beef Products was $1.57 flat from the prior week. Calls in Ontario averaged $0.77, down $0.02 from last week, and $0.73 in Quebec, moving down a cent. Good dairy bob calves between 90 and 120 pounds at Atlantic Stockyards averaged $71, down $40. And good dairy beef bob calves averaged at $158, down $55 from last week. Meanwhile, calves in Ontario were up $0.08 cents to a price of $1.29 per pound. And calves in Quebec were $1.30, a drop of $0.05 cents per pound. Base price for lambs at Northumberland is $10.50 per kilogram, and mutton sits at $6 per kilogram. 50 to 64 pound lambs at Atlantic Stockyards average 220 per pound at 58 pounds, ranging from $1.90 to $260. In Ontario, 50 to 64 pound lambs average 303 per pound at 58 pounds, ranging from 232 and a to 367 and a for 65 to 79 pound lambs at Atlantic stockyards, they average 229 per pound at 73 pounds, ranging from 215 to 240. And Ontario's 65 to 79 pound lambs average 265 per pound at 72 pounds, ranging from $2 to 302.5. Use at Atlantic stockyards range from 175 to $340, averaging $250. And Ontario yos averaged $1.83 at 140 pounds and range from $1 to 242. Make sure you check your association websites for additional pricing information.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Heather covered it really well. Emergency preparedness, it takes practice and planning. And, you know, so often, you know, we get so much paper, Brad, like, you know, we'll get a binder. Here's your emergency preparedness binder. But we need to operationalize that. People need to practice, you know. Yeah, my dad at my farm, you know. I operate a farm today. Dad's moving cattle out onto pasture. Um, I'm not out there helping him, But, you know, getting dad to sit down and go through a 200 page binder on emergency preparedness, you know, that's not happening.ca. Um, <laughs> it's just, just not going to happen. And so, you know, that being said, we have to do it, right? We have to find ways to engage everyone on emergency preparedness and planning as much as possible. And so, you know, we worked through scenarios Monday and Wednesday this week of, so we have a suspect for an animal disease on your farm. What are you going to do? And, you know, what do you do? How do you interact with your vet, your province and, and the federal government? And just even knowing those basic steps is a huge step. You know, I walk out into the yard and three of my five pigs are sick today. Phone your veterinarian. Have a conversation with your veterinarian. Have a conversation with some swine specialist to say, hey, my pigs aren't feeling great today. And so that could be your nutritionist. That could be the local agronomist. That could be your veterinarian. Have a conversation with someone. And if alarm bells start going off, you know, then the next steps will happen. So that person, your veterinarian or whoever, should know that, okay, I should come look at these pigs and I should perhaps phone the province, I should perhaps phone the CFIA. And even if we have those steps in place, we've come a long ways to just helping mitigate. If you can find the time, if you can make it fun, try to get through your producer manual. Those manuals have a wealth Of fabulous information in them and it's all useful and finding the time to do that I know takes a lot of effort but try to find the time and if you have the chance to go through that with your veterinarian that's awesome if you have a chance to go through that with other specialists working on your farm that's great really try to focus on that but if we suspect a foreign animal disease that phone call to the vet. Your vet can take a look. Even a good picture, Brad, is worth a thousand words sometimes. Like I can be, you know, prior to COVID, I could be in China and someone could send me a picture. You know, we have these standard sets of pictures that we ask for each sick pig or dead pig. You know, even when I was in Shanghai, I could really help a farm quickly. And so take pictures, take videos and get that sent out. Maybe the vet can't come out. Don't let that be an obstacle. Take some pictures, take some video, let someone know what's happening. You know, I think there's a lot of baby steps. We have a program now in Canada called CanSpot ASF, where if your veterinarian has ASF on their differential list, they can get it tested for free. The provinces pay for that. So we have these tools and resources available and I, I encourage people to use them. But We've done a lot of amazing work on this. Now we have to operationalize it. We have to get it going. We just can't talk about it and produce stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a great point. And you know, I, I've been around for maybe 15 years in this type of role. And uh, if I had a dollar for every time a producer said, "Well, I've got to go blow the dust off the binder and and see what it says," I mean, I could probably retire. And you know, it's it's one of those things. It's back to the the ounce of prevention conversation. Like uh, folks like you have spent a, a lot of time trying to help producers and industry stakeholders prepare, but unfortunately, it's not always at the top of our priority list, right? There's lots of everyday things we need to do, right? Feed yeah. the pigs, load the truck, right? Order feed. I think Heather Weebly with our producers all the time is Sunday morning coffee, take out your binder, at least have a little bit of a look through it. Because if we're not prepared at all, pardon my language, but the time to prepare is not in the middle of the shit storm, right? Yeah. Like you, you need to have your umbrella out and be ready to go. So
1: so yeah. being prepared is not necessarily fun and exciting and it's not the, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like the highest priority thing on the to-do list when the corn needs to go into the ground and the f- pigs need to be fed. And the to-do list of priority things seems to be screaming much louder than the list of, oh, I should go through my producer response manual and make sure I know who to call if something happens. Um, but even going through the, you know, do the decision tree or the flowchart or filling in the the list, you know, most provinces have a, Uh, a chart that you can just fill in your contact list, Um, or they provided you with numbers of the people that know who to call in the event of. So even just being that prepared is a start beyond the, oh crap, now what do I do? Because that's not a fun moment to
2: have. Not a fun moment. You know, I was involved closely with the 2009 pandemic H1N1 case. I was the herd veterinarian for that farm. And, you know, we moved quickly, you know, that was a devastating event for that farm and that family. And like you said, Heather, it doesn't have to be a foreign animal disease. This could be a major power outage. And, you know, we haven't started the generator for three years. Those are critical things. You know, we have a deep well. What are what are our plans? Do we have a water tank? Do we have a pump system that we can move water? I like it when we take these producer manuals and we bring people into like Nowadays, we're doing everything with Zoom, but we've been doing Zoom groups, we've been doing study groups. When we all get sort of vaccinated and perhaps we get back to normal sometime in the future, I think working through those binders in a fun way in a group has been really useful for a lot of people. You know, there is a wealth of great resources out there and finding fun, innovative ways to help people get through them has been, I think, one of our real challenges and something that we have enjoyed exploring, because I think we've had some real wins and some real successes. But I know 100% of the time, if I just drop the binder in front of dad, there's some posts that need replacing, there's feed that needs milled. You know, the list is so long.
1: (laughs) It can seem like an overwhelming task when you start thinking about planning and all the different events and, you know, all the different emergencies that could happen. And in reality, you can't plan for every eventuality. All you can do is put the boundaries and the the template in place and try to make it so that it's adaptable to whatever might come along. So it's having the foundation there, I think, is the most important part and knowing who to call, who can help you if you're in a point of, oh boy, now what do I do?
2: Absolutely. So true. And you know, COVID was a little bit of that dry run for us, wasn't it? I mean, we had processing plants closed down. All of a sudden, we didn't have access to market for pigs. We had challenges with getting weaned pigs exported into the United States. Like So market access disruption in the last 12 months has peeled back some layers of the onion and taught us some things that we thought we were more prepared for than we were. And so, You know, I guess sometimes these PD virus, COVID-19, these things have all taught us some lessons, too. And I hope we can take away something from that.
0: Interesting you mentioned that, Dr. Brockhoff. Like, one of the things that I I think I've taken away from the whole COVID pandemic is maybe the, the general public's better understanding of what farmers deal with every day on trying to mitigate disease, especially something like African swine fever that can be spread so easily with the spread of covid i think people actually understand why farmers are so concerned now where maybe before they were saying well it's just disease don't don't necessarily think about it a whole lot any thoughts on that am i am i the only person that thinks this am i am i completely wrong
1: i don't think you're no, the I, only person that thinks this <laughs> no
2: not at all you know i'm a swine veterinarian that works with population and epidemiology all the time and the parallels are always fascinating to a good science nerd. And so (laughs) I look at how we isolate and close off pig barns. That's social distancing, right? We strongly recommend not mixing sources in pig barns. It's in the producer manual. It's a question in the quality assurance program. That's social mixing, right?
1: Quarantining and isolating. Yeah,
2: we have put... For the last decade, with a lot of that research that came out of University of Minnesota, we've been filtering incoming air into our pig barns. So talking about air filtration in pig barns is not uncommon. You know, talking about vaccination, you know, with the introduction of porcine circovirus to Canada in the mid-2000s, you know, we saw what um, not having a vaccine did to a population when that disease was introduced, right? We had 20 to 30 percent mortality in populations until we got vaccination going. And so I think pig farmers are are really exposed to a lot of these concepts on a daily basis and um can be great mentors to society. Like, <laughs> you know, we always say biosecurity is so critical, and you know, heck yeah, it is. Biosecurity is a big game. So Keeping disease out. I love it. Makes me happy. <laughs> now we're just doing biosecurity for people. <laughs> yeah. security for people.
0: Excellent, folks. Um, I've taken up lots of your time here this morning. I, I appreciate both of you uh, joining us. Two of my favorite pork folks to talk to and listen to in the country. So hopefully if there's something else we can talk about in the future, we can have you back for another episode.
1: Thanks, Brad. Happy to be here.
2: Yeah. Thank you very much for the invitation. It was great to be here today.
1: Don't want to miss any future episodes? Subscribe to a Maritime Agcast today through Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your other favorite podcast platform.
0: This concludes another episode of Maritime Agcast. We would like to thank our producer, the Agri Commodity Management Association, Director Ashley, as well as Matt Whitehour and Micah Dahl Anderson of ArchesAudio.com for providing the music you heard during this episode. Until next time, happy farming and keep feeding the Maritimes.